Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unbossed. It's me, Jessica Burbank, again. Senator Nina Turner is out, but we've got some really great stories for y'all. First, we'll be talking about our favorite senator. Can you guess who it is? You'll find out in a second. Meanwhile, the House has passed an insane $858 billion defense spending package. And later in the show, we'll be talking about Republicans and what they have to say about Brittany Griner's release. And we've got Ben Glebe to do it all with me. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Burbank. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing good. Ben's a Rebel HQ contributor and has a special out, the Mad King. Ben, do you want to say anything about the Mad King before I sell it for you? Uh, no, it's my new stand-up special. You can say the rest. Better if you talk than I. All right, so this special, I've heard it's been described as Carlin-esque. I'm not someone who has ever watched Carlin's stand-up. Oh, uh, oh. It's a bit before my time, but I will say this. It's one of those comedy specials that really makes you think differently about the world and about political issues. Uh, and it's hilarious, but it makes you think just as much as it makes you laugh, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Jessica. People can watch it right now, it's on YouTube. But if you haven't seen George Carlin, first watch George Carlin, then make time for my special. No, just go right into the Ben Glebe. You don't, you don't need to do any homework. <laughs> All right, you ready to get into some news? Let's do it. All right. Kirsten Cinema, oh man, she is now an indie politician. That's right, watch this. You're here to make a significant announcement. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. Ah, what an interesting adjustment for Senator Cinema. Now, we know that she has been a Republican in Democrats' clothing for a long time time. And now she's a Republican in independent clothing. We'll get more into that. But first, let's watch what she had to say about how this would affect the Democrats majority in the Senate. Ever since Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock was reelected earlier this week, the balance of power right now is 51 Democrats or 51 votes for the Democratic Party. What you're doing today doesn't change that. It's still basically going to be 51-49. Well, I know you have to ask that question, Jake. Yeah. But that's kind of a DC thing to worry about. What I'm really focused on is just making sure that I'm doing what I think comports with my values and the values of Arizonans. Your values, huh? I think most Americans would like better wages because right now corporate profits are at an all time high and they're spending less than ever as a proportion of their revenue on labor. People are having their labor exploited and let's remember for how Kirsten Cinema decided to stand up for her values when it came to raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Let's watch. Ms. Cinema, Ms. Cinema. A big thumbs down. So while Kirsten Cinema was busy denying people a livable wage with a very dramatic statement there on the floor of Congress. Here's where Arizona stands nationwide in some key areas. So healthcare, 21st in the nation. Education, 46th in the nation. Opportunity, 40th. Infrastructure, 23rd. Fiscal stability, 
40th. And this is according to the US News and World Report. This is a senator who has sided with the GOP on numerous occasions. Occasions. Look at this headline from just August of this year. Cinema has cut big deals with Republicans. Can she do it with her own party? Democrats are seeking to pass a sweeping climate, health care and tax package that will require support from all 50 senators on their side of the aisle, putting a spotlight on centrist Kirsten Cinema. So either she just likes the attention or she really likes doing the bidding of corporate America. Let's look at this headline from January. Arizona Democrats censure Senator Kirsten Cinema for blocking Voting Rights Bill. This is for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Now, the White House also released a statement playing off of Cinema's switch up. This is from the White House Press Secretary. Senator Cinema has been a key partner on some of the historic legislation President Biden has championed over the last 20 months, from the American Rescue Plan to the bipartisan infrastructure law, from the Inflation Reduction Act to the Chips and Science Act, from the PACT Act to the Gun Safety Act to the Respect for Marriage Act, and more. We understand that her decision to register as an independent Pennant in Arizona does not change the new Democratic majority control of the Senate. And we have every reason to expect that we will continue to work successfully with her. Now, there are some that are not really buying this move from cinema. Let's look at some tweets from some key operatives. People for Bernie said, this is our independent senator, couldn't agree more. And then we have Mondaire Jones saying, she couldn't let Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock get a full week of attention. We just won in Georgia. We just clinched that majority. And now she's making this announcement that she's changing things up. And I really like this take from David Sorota, who said, The cinema news is two very simple things. One, a narcissist's desperate cry for attention. And two, a politician's desperate tactic to get to a general election without a primary. So the idea that Kirsten Cinema could run for the presidency on a national level is something people are thinking about. And then from someone you may have heard of, someone named Senator Nina Turner said, vote blue no matter who is an opportunity for corporations to buy democratic seats. And it's a terrible long-term strategy. Cinema is a prime example. This is why democratic voters must vet politicians better in primaries. That's not purity, it's vetting. If we had actual competitive Democratic primaries, we probably wouldn't be in this position where we've had a Republican senator in Democrats clothing now turned to independent when we just got a majority in the Senate, which is a majority we need given how the House is looking. Ben, I want to bring you in here. What do you think of cinema's switch up? I mean, it's par for the course for her. And as a general concept, I do not mind more and more senators and and members of the House becoming independents. I am not a fan of the two party system. I don't like that we are put into these two monolithic parties that have to think together and act together. I think it kills independent thinking. I think it it creates so much of exactly what the tweet from Senator Turner made clear that we can't just have people based on blue or red. That said, this is not the person to be doing it. And it's not about the move, it's about the fact that with Kirsten Cinema, it seems very clear that she will be doing this to be even more Republican than she already is. I mean, she often 
already sits with the Republicans during floor votes. She said she's not sure if her desk on the Senate floor will move to the Republican side. Sure, sounds like totally you're just doing it for the reason of being more independent and it's what Arizonans want. The only thing I can say that maybe makes us feel a little bit better about this is that we're lucky to even have this Republican in independent clothing just because Arizona has not had a Democratic senator before her for a very long time. And so if this is the best you can get, at least sometimes she sides with Democrats on some important things. You know, she helped get infrastructure done. She helped, um, she's now working on immigration reform. Maybe that'll happen. But uh, overall, this is not a good development. And it is pretty darn ridiculous that she had to do it immediately when the Democrats finally picked up a seat for the first time a sitting president picked up a seat in the Senate, I think since 1914 or something, had to rain on that parade. Uh, par for the course, disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, between Mark Kelly and cinema, I'd take another Mark Kelly over cinema any day when we talk about like Democrats coming out of Arizona. You're not gonna get someone who's an extremely progressive Democrat for a statewide race in a state like Arizona. But let's remember like cinema used to be a progressive. Like she was affiliated with the Green Party and was very, you know, big in the anti-war movement. And it seems that the more she's been entrenched in the DC culture, the more she's done the bidding of lobbyists and, you know, corporations in the United States. And I think being an independent is good when you have people like Bernie Sanders, who wants to decide, you know, on policies based on the issues and not just vote with a particular party, especially when it comes to key issues like raising the minimum wage. But we know someone like Kirsten Cinema is more of a centrist, which doesn't say a lot for you in the United States of America, because our center would be on the far right in any other modern democracy in the world. And so when you have someone like Kirsten Cinema who's a centrist, I mean, really, you have someone who's voting against the interests of working people in the United States. And it's crazy how DC can change someone so much. And it does seem like there's something bigger at play here because she could have just remained a Democrat and kept doing what she was doing. Like, hey, if you want another vote for your side, you know what? Give me a little bit more money and I'll think about how I want to vote on this issue. She really played the middle of the line in the same way Joe Manchin does. And so this switch, does it really change how she's going to vote on legislation? I'm not sure, but it seems that there's a larger political move at play here. Like, do you think she's gonna run, Ben? I, I don't I don't think she's gonna run for president. She claims she's not. Obviously, that doesn't mean very much, but I think she probably is mostly doing it. I think that that tweet was right that it's for attention, it's because she loves wielding outsized power as does Joe Manchin. But also it's because she wants to avoid a primary in 2024 when she undoubtedly, even though she says she doesn't know, undoubtedly runs for reelection for the Senate and wants to be able to skip right over progressive candidates trying to take her down and she'll just have to face them in the general then. And um, yeah, so that's my prediction and uh, it's just so annoying. It's you, you can't have one week of positive news when it comes to maybe getting a little bit more progress towards progressive causes in the Senate. It has to be spoiled by the spoilers. Mansion and Cinema should start an undertaker firm or, a, or a, a mortuary house. Come to the mortuary house of Mansion and Cinema. We'll give you discounts on killing your dreams and burying your loved ones.
that idea. <laughs> Brilliant. And and in conclusion with this story, just a big congratulations to Reverend Raphael Warnock. Because even though this doesn't mean, you know, with cinema switching over that we might not technically have a majority, whatever it is, the people in Georgia deserve good representation. And it's good that they have Warnock. And instead of Walker. And it's not a full loss for Herschel Walker. He gets to go back to being a fake sheriff full time. Yeah, he gets to go back home to Texas. So Pull his badge him. out and act like Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, a new sheriff's in town, Texas. Okay. Um, all right, let's get mad at something else happening in Congress. God bless America. All right, this is crazy. The House just passed an insane amount of money for the Defense Department because exactly what they needed was more American dollars, apparently. So let's get into the technical details of this. The House has passed a massive bill to fund the Defense Department for fiscal year 2023, teeing up a final vote in the Senate in the coming days that would spend the 858 billion behemoth to President Joe Biden's desk, where he is expected to sign it. The new National Defense Authorization Act authorizes an $80 billion military spending increase over the 2022 bill and 118 billion more than what President Joe Biden, than when President Joe Biden took office in 2021. So we're adding about $100 billion to our military spending every year, makes a lot of sense. The 2023 allocation is more than the combined military budgets of China, India, the United Kingdom, Russia, France, Germany, Saudi Arabia, Japan, and South Korea, according to the National Priorities Project at the Institute for Policy Studies. It's also more than the annual gross domestic product of countries including Saudi Arabia, Sweden, Switzerland, and Turkey based on United Nations figures. This is an insane amount of money to be spending on defense. And when you talk about, you know, we need to protect the country, it's very important that we invest in defense. We are spending so much more than the next nations combined that this is unnecessary. This is exactly what we've been warning about. The military industrial complex has led to lobbyists saying we need more and more defense spending. Those contracts go to things that are insane. We're overpaying for weapons. There have been studies done that show we are paying magnitudes of three times for what market values are for weapons in some of these contracts because the lobbyists are so effective in the defense industry. So let's get into some details of where this money ultimately goes and what kinds of wars and conflicts it ultimately funds. The post 9-11 wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Pakistan have taking a tremendous human toll on those countries. As of September 2021, an estimated 387,072 civilians in these countries have died violent deaths as a result of these wars. Those are a lot of civilian casualties. You would think for that amount of military spending, we would be able to be at least a little bit more precise about who we're targeting. But also, many people don't question why we're engaging in these wars in the first place. The United States military has a track record of intervening abroad in other countries, destabilizing them, leading violent coups that lead to civil wars that last for decades, most of the time to secure resources and to take down leaders who want to get in the way of US-based multinational corporations extracting their resources and exploiting their labor. So a really good use of money. More reporting from the Watson Institute at Brown University. 
people living in the war zones have been killed in their homes, in markets and on roadways. They've been killed by bombs, bullets, fire, improvised explosive devices and drones. Civilians die at checkpoints as they are run off the road by military vehicles when they step on mines or cluster bombs, as they collect wood to tend to their fields, and when they are kidnapped and executed for purposes of revenge or intimidation. They are killed by the United States, by its allies and by insurgents and sectarians in the civil wars spawned by the invasions. Now, there are some progressives who rejected this bill. And you might recognize some names on here, uh, Jamal Bowman, Cory Bush, uh, Garcia, Jayapal Khanna, Barbara Lee, AOC, Omar, Mark Pocan, Katie Porter, Ayanna Presley, Jamie Raskin, and Rashida Tlaib. Probably not surprising to see those names. And a tweet from Mondaire Jones sums up why a lot of these progressives decided to vote against the bill. He said, while working families are being crushed by inflation, we shouldn't be spending 45 billion more than the president requested in the NDAA. Certainly not on top of an already bloated 800 plus billion dollar Pentagon budget full of lobbyist giveaways. I voted no. Now, this really is about the military industrial complex. Let's look at this headline from Common Dreams. War industry celebrating Christmas early as House passes $858 billion NDAA. There's no justification to throw $858 billion at the Pentagon when we're told we can't afford child tax credit expansion, universal paid leave, or other basic human necessities, said the consumer activacy advocacy group Public Citizen. End of story. Another tweet from Robert Reich said, $12 billion is the cost of expanding the child tax credit to the 19 million children who had not been able to receive the full benefits. $858 billion is the cost of the latest defense bill. Can you guess which one Congress claims it can't afford to fund? It's ridiculous how we pretend to have no money when it comes to helping our own people, but we can find billions of dollars when it comes to defense. It's because Congress has the power of the purse, they can vote to spend money, they can vote to bring new dollars into existence. All they need to do is pass legislation and someone at the Treasury and at the Fed will hit buttons on their computers to appropriate the funds to the necessary places. So it's absurd that we're spending this much money on defense. And I would also offer to the people who say, you know, we really need to spend this much money on defense because we have many enemies abroad. Why do we have enemies abroad? We've made a habit of intervening in other nations' affairs abroad. We've created those enemies. So Ben, I want to bring you in. What do you make of this $858 billion bill? Perfect example of a corrupt system, a corrupt government, a corrupt budget. It's insane. It's insane when we should be drastically cutting our military budget every year because of the reasons you cited. Because we have a bigger budget than the next nine enormous nations combined, the next nine biggest combined, because we do not need this amount of money to protect ourselves, because we don't need to give more money to Raytheon and to these defense contractors who make absurd, obscene profits every year, bigger and bigger. Part of what they claimed was that, oh, they increased it beyond what Biden asked for because of inflation. You don't need to adjust it for inflation when it's already bloated beyond belief. These contractors can just lower their prices and still make billions of dollars in profit. 
It is unconscionable. There is no justification for it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to give more money than the president asked for, to increase it by $118 billion just in the last two years when we should be going backwards. I've talked about this for a long time too. People say, "Oh, we need to be ready. We need to be able to, to go and protect our interests around the world. Yes, we can do that for a fifth of our military budget. And in fact, the less you spend on military, because we have such an obscene amount of nuclear weapons, we actually, there's an argument to be made that we are more of a deterrent. We are more scary when we have a smaller annual military budget, because then we just have slightly less options that are less scary. And we only have left to some degree more towards our scariest options. And that should scare the hell out of any enemy country. And so it's sort of a scarcity mindset that actually works in your benefit, but they'll never do it. And not just that, $850 billion does not include additional spending for our nuclear arsenal and does not include the over 50 billion we've already spent for Ukraine aid, military assistance, and what we will be spending, obviously, many billions next year as well. So that's not even the full military expenditure. It's shameful when we have such urgent priorities at home, people struggling to put food on the table, to take care of their families, to protect themselves, to pay for health care. How does a nation justify that? It's gross. It's really disgusting. Yeah, it took a lot of like studying history for me to unlearn the propaganda that we're taught growing up, which is that the United States interests abroad are, are fighting for democracy and freedom for other nations abroad, where there's dictatorships or they're being held as colonies. And then when you actually look into what went down, you'll see that people became the Secretary of State and the head of the CIA, John Foster Dulles and Alan Dulles, who were brothers who worked for a corporate law firm that represented United Fruit Company. And when there was a democratically elected leader in Guam, Guatemala, who threatened to push the United States multinational corporations out because it was their land and their workers that were being exploited. So the United States could take and sell cheap bananas. We decided to coup that guy. Like, this is what this military spending has always gone to. It's gone to fighting corporate interests. So the military industrial complex is really driven by corporations lobbying our politicians and getting into public office. So that's if, enough getting angry about the military industrial complex. Just, just one last idea on it before yeah. you wrap this segment is I just thought of this and I think it's the only way that people will be able to be taken care of in this country. Every American should form an LLC and give it a military name. You could be Jessica Burbank <laughs> Military Industries. I could be Ben Glebe Bomb Delivery Incorporated, and we will have money pouring into our bank accounts. It's a win-win. Plus, it just sounds badass, you know. Yeah, Lockheed Burbank. Lockheed Burbank. I like oh. that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about something a little bit lighter than the military-industrial complex when we get back. Taylor Swift. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Unbossed. And now we're going to what Senator Nina Turner calls the best part of the show, which I have to agree with her on. It's member comment time. Let's see what you all are saying. Speed Racer says, 858 billion is an obscene amount of money. How about mandating the Department of Defense to pass an audit before giving them even more money to piss away? That's a great point. I'm pretty sure the 
Pentagon has failed their audit year over year. Uh, it's a great idea, but unfortunately, the audit, when they fail, there's no consequences. Princess says, dream team, yes. <laughs> Listen, that's Man. true. That's empirically true. It is true, it is true. I love telling people that Ben and I are friends in real life and they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite things. You're you're one of the best burbs. TYT brought us together. All right, Fiddlin' Nero says, Man. cinema is about as independent as an infant. She's wholly owned by her donors. <laughs> I love that, as independent as an infant. Yeah, completely suckling on the, the teat of corporate lobbying money. Um, all right. So let's get into this. This is a crazy story. Uh, but if you want to get something done, get the Swifties behind you. If you want to break up a monopoly, find a way to get the Swifties interested in breaking up that monopoly. Swifties, if you don't know, are Taylor Swift's fan base. And they're ready for revenge. And they're being quite fearless about it because they know all too well that Ticketmaster is a monopoly and is practicing some unfair business practices. You're not gonna get those tickets if you're trying to get them on Ticketmaster. It's tragically true for a lot of Taylor Swift fans. And you may have tried to get tickets for a concert recently and been met with a lot of junk fees from Ticketmaster. Now they're being sued. It's a class action lawsuit of the Swifties against Ticketmaster. So reporting from NPR, lawyers for the 26 plaintiffs who live in 13 states across the United States filed the complaint in Los Angeles County Superior Court on Friday. It alleges that the ticketing platform has a monopoly on primary and secondary markets and accuses it of engaging in fraudulent practices and various antitrust violations, including price discrimination and price fixing. Now, a quote from the lawsuit directly, defendants anti-competitive behavior has substantially harmed and will continue to substantially harm Taylor Swift fans, as well as competition in the ticket sales market and the secondary ticket services market. The lawsuit reads, it seeks $2,500 for every violation of California's unfair competition law, which prohibits false advertising and illegal business practices. So calculations show that Ticketmaster's scam fees now account for up to 78% the original price of a ticket. It is insane how much money they're charging and they're able to do this because they have a monopoly. It's, it's something called dynamic pricing. So let's get into how they got to this place where they can charge this much for a ticket. So Ticketmaster controlled about 80% of the market. Live Nation controlled about 200 plus artists and most major concert venues and event venues. They used Ticketmaster, so Live Nation used Ticketmaster to sell events or to sell tickets for the events that they were holding in their venue. And then in 20, 2007, Live Nation decided they wanted to start selling their their own tickets and Ticketmaster did not like that very much. They quite liked the control they had over the market and they realized the threat that this would pose. So two years later, they had a $2.5 billion merger. So now two of the largest companies in the live music industry dominate the market. They've created a monopoly by merging together. The consequence of this is they can charge extremely high prices with little to no competition. And the way they do this is they charge fees at the time of sale. And they can charge the fees twice because they also offer ticket resales. So. 
There was a point in time where the top antitrust cop in the United States under the Obama administration could have done something about this merger, but decided not to. That was Christine Varney, who works in the antitrust division. She was an attorney with the US Department of Justice. And here's what she said at the time of this merger. We heard that it is impossible to understand the litany of fees and why those fees have proliferated. I also understand that consolidation has been going on in the industry for some time and the resultant economic pressures facing local management companies and promoters. These are meaningful concerns, but many of them are not antitrust concerns. So two of the largest companies, one that controls the menus and artists, and one that controls ticket sales have merged. And that's not an antitrust concern. Thankfully now, the FTC is looking into it. This is a quote from Business Insider. The head of the Federal Trade Commission understands Swifty's antitrust concerns all too well. Uh, Lena Khan, who chairs the agency, said on Tuesday that Ticketmaster's now infamous pre-sale for Taylor Swift's highly anticipated Eros tour ended up converting more Gen Zers into anti-monopolists overnight than anything I could have done. You also have President Biden recently tweeting, I know hidden junk fees like processing fees on concert tickets are a pain. They're unfair, disruptive and add up. That's why last week I called on my administration to crack down on those fees and put that money back in your pocket. So that was on November 3rd. Now, November 18th, we found out that Ticketmaster is under investigation by the Justice Department for abusing its monopoly power over the live music industry. So reporting from CNN Business on what's going on with the CEO of Live Nation. In a letter addressed to Live Nation CEO Michael Rapino Tuesday, that was this past Tuesday, the House Energy and Commerce Committee demanded a briefing on what went wrong and what the steps the company is taking to fix the problems are. The committee members who want to meet with, or the committee members want to meet with Rapino by December 15th. The recent pre-sale ticketing process for Taylor Swift's upcoming tour, in which millions of fans endured delays, lockouts, and competition with aggressive scammers, scalpers, and bots, raises concerns over the potential unfair and deceptive practices that face consumers and event goers. That's what the statement from the House Energy and Commerce Committee was. So finally, the government is stepping up to do something about Ticketmaster's monopoly, but it really took Swifties getting angry and taking to the internet and creating a commotion about it for us to get something done. So just a reminder that the CEO of Live Nation, Michael Rapino, made 70.6 million in 2016. You would think that these people would be working for companies that got something done, given they have a monopoly. No, their main interest is making money. And that's why we have people like Eric tweeting stuff like this, who said, I hope the Swifties obliterate Ticketmaster ASAP. There is no reason for death grips tickets to be sold out in literal seconds, bro. Yeah, it's people buying these tickets so they can resell them. And Ticketmaster has an incentive to allow that to happen because they can collect the fees twice. So Ben, are you a Swifty? What do you make of Ticketmaster's monopoly and and how they've been taken down by the Swifties? I am a Swifty, I'm um, offended you have to ask. Big Taylor Swift fan and hopefully Taylor Swift herself gets in the mix and becomes vocal on this and doesn't just leave it to 26 of her fans. Also, there's millions of Swifties. Why are only 26 of them in this class action lawsuit? It would be pretty incredible if there was like 300,000 of them in this class action lawsuit would be even more effective. Also, it is true the CEO of Ticketmaster Live Nation, Michael Rapino, $76 million salary, but with ticket fees, his salary was over 150 million. 
I'm making that up. But you get the point <laughs> is that it's just outrageous. It's complete highway robbery of of people that are just trying to enjoy live entertainment. And I say this as, as a stand-up comedian who often works for Live Nation, who often does events that are ticketed by Ticketmaster. I don't care, I'll say it, I'm all about speaking truth to power all the time, even if it's the mouth that feeds me sometimes, hand that feeds me, I don't know what the phrase is. The point is, stop it. Why would we ever not break up a monopoly that is clearly destroying the fair interests of the general public? What interest do we have? This isn't, isn't, this isn't even one of the legacy industries that our government is baked in, corrupt in bed with. It's not a, a oil and gas company, it's not a defense contractor, it's just concert tickets. Break them up, this should be easy. Same thing they should be doing with, with Facebook and the huge social media conglomerates. Break them up, there's no negative and there's just nothing, there's no negative to doing so. And it's only benefiting these greedy companies to continue being rewarded for not allowing regular people to enjoy life. It's just enough already, get over yourselves. You can make billions and not billions of billions, stop, God. I'm never gonna work again, am I? <laughs> that's it. That's it for you, Ben. You're gonna be cut off by Lab Nation after that. Um, there's actually more industries uh, or sectors of the economy, rather, that are selling goods and services that are not very essential, uh, that are trying to also conglomerate. So if you're a gamer, you'll be very excited about this. I know a lot of people out there play Call of Duty and they're Call of Duty fans. And you're gonna have interest in this story. Given that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is trying to prevent Microsoft from purchasing Activision Blizzard, which if there was ever some kind of video game company name, Activision Blizzard sounds right to me. So why are they doing this? Well, as Senator Nina Turner would say, I am glad you asked. Look at this headline. The FTC seeks to block Microsoft Corporation's acquisition of Activision Blizzard Inc. The agency alleges that the maker of Xbox would gain control of top video game franchises, enabling it to harm competition in high performance gaming consoles and subscription services by denying or degrading rivals access to its popular content. So reporting from the FTC directly, the $69 billion deal, Microsoft's largest ever, and the largest ever in the video gaming industry would enable Microsoft to suppress competitors to its Xbox gaming consoles and its rapidly growing subscription content and cloud gaming businesses. The FTC pointed to Microsoft's record of acquiring and using valuable gaming content to suppress competition from rival consoles, including its acquisition of ZeniMax, parent company of Bethesda Softworks, a well-known game developer. So here are some other game developers Microsoft lords over already. Rare, 343 Industries, who are the developers of Halo, The Coalition, Mojang, and Ninja Theory. So I am not a gamer and I don't know what these things are, but it does make sense that the next steps for a computer company, if they want to be an absolute evil corporation, make as much profit as possible, and they're incredibly greedy, is to continue buying up other gaming services. It makes a lot of sense. That's what you're going to do. Thankfully, the FTC sees this and they're stepping in. So back to the FTC complaint. Activision is one of the only, or is one of only a very small number of top 
top video game developers in the world that create and publish high quality video games for multiple devices, including video game consoles, PCs, and mobile devices. It produces some of the most iconic and popular video game titles, including Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch, and has millions of monthly active users around the world. Activision currently has a strategy of offering its games on many devices regardless of producer or with control over Activision. Microsoft would then have the means and motive to harm competition by manipulating Activision's pricing, degrading Activision's game quality or player experience on rival consoles and gaming services, changing the terms and timing of access to Activision's content or withholding content from competitors entirely resulting in harm to consumers. So this is ridiculous. So instead of saying, you know, we're a great video gaming company, we're gonna acquire other ones and make them better too. This is an attempt to literally squash competition, it seems. So this is kind of like, uh, this happens a lot in Hollywood. If you've written a script, there will be people who buy that script, not with the intention of making it into a show or a movie, but just to kill the script. Corporations do that with other companies as well, so that they can maintain control over the market, keep prices high and continue profiting. So there's some support from key senators behind FTC's the FTC's move. So Bernie Sanders being the key senator speaking out about this, who said, I applaud the FTC for moving to block this merger in sector after sector. A handful of giant corporations control what is produced, and how much Americans pay for their products. We must stop this dangerous concentration of ownership. This is a step in the right direction. Also, Senator Elizabeth Warren chiming in. Corporate monopolies have had free reign to hike prices and harm workers, but now the Biden administration is committed to promoting competition. I urge the FTC to scrutinize Microsoft's proposed merger with Activision and welcome this FTC action to block it. Now, of course, there's gonna be some dissent. You had Ross Gerber saying, hey, Joe Biden, your FTC is acting to help foreign competition under the guise of going after big tech. Instead, you're giving foreign big tech a huge advantage over US companies. There's nothing anti-competitive with the Microsoft Activision deal. And then he, of course, puts the shorthand for their their stock. Um, it does put another spotlight on these mergers that we've been talking about on the show a lot and the pros and cons of them. So let's go through those. The pros of mergers, it increases the part, the market share, reduces the cost of operations, avoids replication, expands business into new regions, prevents closure of unprofitable unprofitable businesses. That's according to CFI. I would say, you know, this is all the more reason we should nationalize key industries. Um, Anyway, the cons of mergers, raising prices of products, it creates communication gaps, it creates unemployment and prevents economies of scale. So I would say the cons have it, right? When you have a monopoly over a particular industry, you have outsized control over what people are paying for that thing. Because if you control 80% of that industry, you can raise prices and most people's only option is to purchase it from you and your competitor could you know lower their prices slightly, but you still have no motivation to lower your prices in return to capture some of that proportion of the market. Because demand would suggest that you're going to keep selling these anyway and keep making more off of these products. In this case, it's video games. And so that's why you need to break these corporations 
up when they start to merge because this also affects working people as well, not just on the consumer side. But if you're an employee and you have a particular skill, thinking of like the meat industry in Iowa, your options are to work for a meatpacking plant somewhere in in Iowa. And when you have such control over the meatpacking industry, you can keep wages very low. Now you have a pool of workers who have this one skill. That's what they can do. Those are the jobs they can apply for. And when wages are low, you're their only option. Where else are they gonna go? They're gonna take that job with you and you get to keep wages very low. So monopolies are terrible for consumers and for workers. I don't know much about video games, but this seems like a good move from the FTC. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I don't play video games either, nor do I pack meat. But I agree with you that we need to be, it's just very good that the FTC is is suing to block this merger. I think it's just far too much. I think it's such a huge part of people's lives gaming. And also another very interesting part of it is that I've just been learning that people are using video game communication channels like through their headsets when they're playing these games to be spreading a lot of QAnon type messaging, a lot of far right messaging. And this needs to be as much as possible. I mean, I guess to some degree, depending on the 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 aim, the mission statement of the company that would be doing the merger, in this case, Microsoft, maybe that's one thing that could be better if they took a strong stance against it instead of trying to regulate that among a bunch of smaller companies. But I just think generally speaking, you need to make sure that these companies do not lose. It also just, it's a huge step against creativity. You don't get as much market competitiveness, you don't get as much creativity and product suffers. And I mean, maybe the only benefit there is that a lot of people who are stuck in their basement playing games all day might be forced to go outside for the first time and get the sun in their eyes and that might not be terrible. So that's one positive. My only complaint, Jessica, about the story as you delivered it is that you didn't have me read the Bernie Sanders tweet in Bernie Sanders voice. But that's fine. At the end of the day, I can go on and stop the merger on my own, even if you already read my tweet. I will never make this mistake again when we're co-hosting, Ben. My deepest apologies. Maybe we'll have more Bernie tweets coming up in the next stories. For now, we've got to go to break. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Unbossed. It's Jessica Burbank and Ben Glebe and Octo Squiddies. Octo Squiddies on Twitch says, hell hath no wrath to match a swifty scorned. And that's a quote from God, attributed to God, so. (laughs) I also thought you were talking Latin there all of a sudden when you said that handle name, so I'm glad that was someone's name. Octo squiddies. Deep pluribusun. Peachy says, great FTC, now do Safeway, Albertsons and Kroger merger. I mean, we could talk about the the cable companies, uh, Spectrum and Wi-Fi servicers in some places you only have one option for internet and cable it's ridiculous we could go on and on and on talking about all of the many monopolies that control and run our country youtube super chat free to express says mad respect ben the mad king getting mad respect love that mad respect back to you thank you all right let's get into this Brittany griner i'm sure you've heard of this Yesterday, the Unbossed team was very excited to share that Brittany Griner has been freed from the detention facility in Russia. But with that great news, of course, we had a horrific 
uh, ugly response from members of the right in the United States. A lot of squawking from Republicans, including Tucker Carlson. Watch this. Well, you should know that Whalen is a Trump voter, and he made the mistake of saying so on social media. He's paying the price for that now. Brittany Griner is not. She's got very different politics. Brittany Griner despises the United States. She's been very vocal about that. This country is so repellent and immoral that two years ago she said, quote, I honestly feel we should not play the national anthem during our basketball season. She hates the country so much she doesn't want to hear its anthem. That's the kind of position that gets you rewarded by Joe Biden. Hate America? Perfect. We'll free the guy who sold weapons to drug cartels to get you out early. So there's that. And then there's the matter of identity, which is central to equity. Brittany Griner is not white and she's a lesbian. Now, those facts might seem irrelevant to you. We hope they do seem irrelevant because they are. So what you just watched was Tucker Carlson, of course, viewing his hatred for black women to his millions of viewers last night. This headline sums it up pretty nicely. Freedom loving conservatives are mad that Brittany Griner is no longer in Russian jail. Yeah, WNBA star Brittany Griner has been released from Russian jail and the far right is upset about it. The same far right and freedom loving party that will say we cannot let the federal government have too much power. You should be very cautious of this. But of course, some dictatorial leader should put someone in jail for accidentally having a vape pen in their luggage. Makes a lot of sense to me. No reason to look into the logical structure of that argument. Now, the right wing wasted no time when it came to responding to this and jumping on the outrage bandwagon, not just on cable news, also on Twitter. Uh, an American was detained in Russia for 294 days, and this is what Donald Trump Jr. had to say about it. No one cuts better deals than Biden. We get an awful America-hating WNBA player, while Russia gets an international arms dealer. The adults are back. I'm confused because the same party that says we need to put people in prison for drug offenses and pushes reefer madness when marijuana is not a dangerous drug for people to take. The same party that takes hundreds of thousands of dollars year over year from the NRA is upset that we got someone out of jail who used marijuana in exchange for an arms dealer. You would think they'd be like, what a great trade. You know, this seems about equal according to our moral calculation. No, you had Benny Johnson tweeting, this is the lowest point in US foreign policy in my lifetime. The collapse of an empire. I don't know. I think this guy was around for the invasion of Iraq, but I can't be sure of Benny Johnson's real age. I think he was around for that. Then we had Jesse Kelly say, she is a black lesbian who hates America. Biden is just bringing another voter back home. Just disgusting. And there's more where this came from. Let's watch this. Maybe if some of maybe if those Americans that are imprisoned in. Uh, jail over there in Russia. Maybe if they were as anti-American as Brittany Griner's been, maybe they'd been released a hell of a lot quicker. Who knows? Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pass it over to Ben to read this post from Donald Trump on Truth Social. So let's put this up, this truth from Mr. Donald. Of course, he had something to say. Oh, wow, that is tiny. What kind of deal is it to swap Brittany Griner, a basketball player who openly hates our country for the man known as the merchant of death, okay? Who is one of the biggest arms dealers anywhere in the world and responsible for tens of thousands of deaths and horrific injuries? Why wasn't former Marine 
Paul Whelan included in this totally one-sided transaction. He would have been let out for the asking, what a stupid and unpatriotic embarrassment for the USA, three exclamation points, okay? All right, let us remind you, same guy, Donald Trump, when he was in office, uh, he wasn't worried about Paul Whelan. Look at this headline, Trump turned down Paul Whelan and Victor Bout prisoner swap years ago, John Bolton says. So this was on the table under Trump's presidency. What a hypocrite, I think when we read uh, Trump quotes from now on, we're gonna do it like we're on a radio show and we're getting a call in where I'm gonna be like, yo, we've got Donnie from Queens on the line. Why are you mad, Donnie? And then we'll just have Ben read the truth social quote. But Ben, what do you make of all this outrage around Bernie Griner's release? I mean, first of all, that, that factoid about Trump, of course, being given the exact opportunity before Griner was ever in prison in Russia and turned it down just yet again for the three billionth time proves the utter lack of substance and continual hypocrisy of the orange menace that is still trying to ruin our country day by day as best he can and, and succeeding in certain ways. Um, look, it is very stupid, the right wing reaction. Obviously, it's knee jerk. They you know you can predict what their reaction is going to be on these things all of the time. It's very obvious. And look, speaking totally honestly, when I heard the story yesterday, just watching the nightly news, my first thought was like, wow, I didn't think anything about about her color or her sexual orientation. I thought, okay, that's a little weird that it's, you know, it seems like celebrity culture won out over a former Marine. But when I dug deeper into the story, it just the fact is that they were trying to get both released. They were trying to get both for the one arms dealer and Russia just would not budge on Paul Whelan at this time. And it's nearly impossible to even be doing any negotiating with the Russian regime during this war on Ukraine that we are essentially fighting against Russia. We are supplying the weapons, we are supplying the money. And the fact we were able to get any deal at all, is a win, it's a huge win during such a tumultuous time and a time that's edging more towards a cold war again with our long time adversary. And so it's a huge win, not every win needs to be a loss. Not every time that somebody on the left gets freed, gets a victory, does it need to be an attack on the right? But of course, that's the way the disingenuous right will see it because they are a bunch of America hating. They are the America haters. They're the ones who at every even positive moment want to find a way to make it seem like the people that have gotten that victory are anti-American. Their response is obviously anti-American to not be able to celebrate an American being brought back home. And last point I'd like to make on this is that while some people might be skeptical of whether or not Brittany Griner accidentally brought the weed pen in her luggage. And who knows the real truth on that, but I would have called BS on that until I did it myself. I've accidentally smuggled weed across international borders before I talk about it in my special. And it can happen, you pack in a rush and you end up with stuff in your bag you do not want there. So it very likely is the case and is absurd that a country as backwards as Russia would imprison somebody for something so small. I wish we could put a little bit of THC in Putin's water supply. Maybe the war in Ukraine would end a lot faster. Yeah, everybody smoke a blunt for world peace, especially international leaders, especially dictators like Putin. And at the end of the day, you've got so many Republicans who for some reason 
love Vladimir Putin. Uh, and they obviously never cared about Paul Whelan, especially this information about Donald Trump. Their chosen leader didn't care about Paul Whelan either, didn't care about getting that trade deal done, according to John Bolton, who would absolutely know. They care about convincing the American people to hate Brittany Griner and people who have her identity, being a black woman and being a lesbian. She just doesn't fit into their agenda. That's exactly what's going on here. This is their continuation of homophobia and racism. That's a part of their agenda because for some reason, according to them, and this is probably why they like Putin, they see the government as a vessel to impose their values upon everyone else, their way of life. If you don't like people who are gay, that's fine. Don't live your life as a gay person. If you don't like people who are transgender, that's fine. Stick with your cisgender assigned at birth. If you don't like somebody else's religion and you think they should be a Christian, that's fine. Go to your Christian church and practice your Christianity. But instead, what they want to have happen is to have the government impose their values upon everyone else in a similar way to how a dictator like Vladimir Putin does. And so it's pretty clear where their alliance is. And it's definitely not in the interest of freedom. And this story is an exemplification of that. Any yeah. last thoughts, Ben? Yeah, the pro-Russian right in this country are the ones who constantly claim that the left is anti-American. Literally pro our biggest adversary are the ones claiming that we on the left in this country just don't know where our loyalties lie as they bow down to Putin and Pray for his victory. It's sad. It's wrong. It's disgusting. They're stupid. And John Bolton looks like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Love that we're ending on that. It's been a heavy show, but it's always fun to do with you, Ben. So thanks everyone for being with us. Watch the Mad King special on YouTube. We've got reactions with Ravana after this on Twitch. Is that right? And so we will see. No, we don't. No, that's not today. Love you, Ray. That's just a shout out to remember to watch Rayana's react reactions on Twitch and the Mad King with Ben Glebe. We'll see you on the other side. See you on Monday on Unboxed right here. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.